Hello, hello. This is Katavani. Welcome back to another episode of Ramayana, episode 29, recap of Balakanda and Ayodhya Kanda. Thank you again for listening. This episode is a quick recap of the last two books of Ramayana, Balakanda that covers the childhood and Ayodhya Kanda, all about the things that happen in Ayodhya that we covered in the last 28 episodes. It all starts with Sage Valmiki meeting Sage Narada in the forest. Maharishi Valmiki asked Sage Narada if there ever had been an Uttama Purusha, an ideal man, a supreme person, who was respected and beloved as well as respectful, charming and devoted to the welfare of all the peoples and beings. A person who is feared by his enemies and even by the gods when his wrath is aroused, but is self-restrained, who has conquered anger and is free from envy and lust for supremacy. A person who is learned with knowledge from the scriptures as well as ancient lores. A person who can do what's impossible for others, who has incomprehensible prowess and is endowed with gratitude, firmness of mind and words. A person who is truthful and righteous. To this inquiry, Sage Narada replied, Yes, such persons are indeed rare, but I have confirmed there is one. People have heard his name as Rama, born in the Ikshvaku dynasty. Listen to his story. Narada then narrated the story of Sri Rama in brief to Maharishi Valmiki, who composed a poetic Itihasa Purana, historical story. Sri Rama, Sage Narada said respectfully to Maharishi Valmiki, was a great intellectual with principles, social, moral and ethical codes. Eloquent, strong, good-looking and skillful with his bow and arrows. Sri Rama was graceful, pious and obedient to his elders. While fearsome to his foes and evildoers, he was renowned for his grace, piety and goodwill to those that depended on him. Like a river, that nourished all beings. Rama, who was well-versed and knew by memory the Vedas and Vedangas, understood the true meaning of the ancient scriptures, spiritual, living wisdom, as well as military and administrative sciences. Rama treated all with equanimity and pleasant manners. He was faithful to his own dharma, duty, and protected his citizens as well as promoted and sustained moral and social codes. Rama, Narada praised, was like Vishnu in prowess, like the moon in pleasing appearance, like the all-consuming fire in anger, like the earth, Bhumi Devi in patience, like Kubera, the god of wealth in charity, and steadfast, unwavering, like the sun. This Rama was the son of King Dasharatha of the Ishwaku clan and the illustrious Queen Kausalya Devi. The kingdom of Koshala with Ayodhya's capital prospered under King Dasharatha's rule. Dasharatha was blessed with four sons with his three principal queens. His queens were Kausalya, princess of Dakshin Koshala, Sumitra, princess of Kashi, and Kaikeyi, princess of Kekaya. Rama was born to Queen Kausalya, Bharata to Queen Kaikeyi, Lakshmana and Shatrughna, Queen Sumitra. 
The four brothers were inseparable and beloved by the people of Ayodhya. Rama, the oldest, was the favorite of everyone that knew him, and his brothers looked up and followed in his footsteps. The four princes were tutored and trained by the chief gurus, Maharishi Vasishta and Sage Vamadeva. After they had completed their formal training, the four princes helped King Dasharatha with administrative duties. One day, King Dasharatha was in his court discussing marriage options for his sons. His doorkeepers announced that the fierce Rajarishi Vishwamitra was at the palace entrance. Sage Vishwamitra, a well-known ascetic, had been a Kshatriya king earlier in his life. In a confrontation with Sage Vasishta, he had realized that the spiritual path and enlightenment were more powerful than lording over the material world, even as a king. Sage Vishwamitra had dispassionately renounced everything. After many decades of tapas, penance and meditation, and by sheer perseverance and firmness of will, Dhriti, he succeeded in becoming Brahmarishi, an enlightened ascetic. Sage Vishwamitra convinced King Dasharatha to send Rama with him into the forest to destroy the demons and evil forces that disrupted his sacrificial rituals. He reassured the reluctant and terrified king that Rama would be safe and that this quest would benefit and bring fame to Rama. Rama, undaunted and willing to protect, accompanied by Lakshmana, travelled with sage Vishwamitra to his ashram, Hermitage. There he destroyed the demons Tataka, her son Subhagu and their hordes in a fierce battle. Rama then accompanied sage Vishwamitra and a group of ascetics to Mithila, the capital city of the kingdom of Videha. On the way to Mithila, they paid their respects to sage Gautama and his beautiful wife Ahalya. King Janaka of Videha was performing an immense sacrifice presided by sage Satananda, his chief priest and son of Maharishi Gautama. King Janaka had invited all the learned sages and people to witness and become beneficiaries of the God's divine blessings. These sacrifices are rarely performed these days, but in the times of the ancient kings, it was an honor and privilege to perform, participate and witness these rituals aimed at pleasing the gods to seek their divine benevolence for the welfare of the people. King Janaka had also set up a Swayamvara for his beloved daughter Sita. The Swayamvara is a ceremony where the bride chooses the groom, a partner of her choice. To qualify for this Swayamvara, King Janaka had set up a contest where the potential suitor had to pick up and string a mighty bow that had come to him from Varuna, the god of rain. Many kings, chiefs, leaders and princes had tried futilely to qualify for the Swayamvara to wed Sita. They were not worthy to even budge the divine bow that had once belonged to Lord Shiva. In the sacrificial grounds, Rama, with permission from the assembled elders, effortlessly picked up the bow where many before him had failed and bent the bow to string it. He broke the mighty bow that once had belonged to Lord Shiva.
Sita joyously draped her Swayamvara garland on Rama, choosing him to be her husband. King Janaka sent word to King Dasharatha and after the arrival of the royal family from Ayodhya, the king, sages and priests blessed the four weddings, Rama to Sita along with her sister Princess Urmila to Lakshmana and Sita's two cousins, daughters of her uncle King Kuntiboja to Bharata and Shatrugna. After the wedding festivities, Sage Vishwamitra departed to the Himalayas from Mithila. The wedding party too returned to Ayodhya with the brides, their royal retinue and their wedding gifts. Sage Parasharama, another avatar Purusha, believed to be the divine incarnation of Lord Vishnu, confronted Rama. Sage Parasharama, a descendant of the illustrious Sage Bhrigu, was the grandson of Sage Ruchika, who was married to Sage Vishwamitra's sister. Sage Parashurama had heard the news of Rama breaking Lord Shiva's bow and had rushed north from his abode in the Mahendra mountains with the Vishnu bow that he had inherited from his father, Sage Jamadagni. Sage Parashurama challenged Rama to a duel. Rama, enraged by Sage Parashurama's arrogance, calmly accepted the challenge and effortlessly humbled the sage who at once returned to the Mahindra mountains, recognizing Rama's strength and divinity. After returning to Ayodhya, King Dasharatha's delight was boundless, surrounded by his queens, his sons and their wives. Prince Bharata continued to periodically visit his maternal relatives in the Kekaya kingdom over 1,000 miles away past River Beas in the west. His maternal uncle Yudajit too was a frequent visitor in Ayodhya. Prince Rama excelled in all his efforts devoted to his wife Sita, attentive to his mothers and helping his father rule and secure the kingdom peacefully without war and strife. Thus ended Balakanda. It coincides with the princes graduating from the Brahmacharya stage of their life Childhood and student life focused on self-development. They entered Grihastha Ashrama, householder life filled with duties and responsibilities to their spouses, family and the outside world. Ayodhya Khanda, the second volume of this Mahakavya poetic work, starts with a strong and decisive act by King Dasharatha. With a desire to promote the welfare of the people in keeping with traditions, King Dasharatha decided to install Sri Rama, his eldest son, as heir. Rama possessed all the excellent qualities and true prowess to be king. In addition, he was beloved by the people whose welfare was foremost in his mind. On hearing this news, Queen Kaikeyi, Prince Bharata's mother, was persuaded by her maid's fears that this development was against Bharata and her own interests. The queen grew alarmed by how fast events were proceeding in her son's absence while he was in her father King Ashwapati's palace in the faraway Kekaya kingdom. To protect him and promote his standing, she demanded that Prince Bharata be crowned king. 
on the eve of Rama's coronation, she demanded that King Dasharatha grant her wishes to keep his promise to her. She ruthlessly ignored social traditions and unwaveringly demanded Rama's exile for 14 years and Bharata's coronation, a bloodless coup by a young queen. King Dasharatha, bound by his words, honor and duty, sent his beloved son Rama to the forest. Rama, composed as always, remained unperturbed by the change in his fortunes announced to him by Queen Kaikehi on the day of his coronation. He accepted all her demands as a sign of his respect towards his parents as well as to honor the king's promise to Queen Kaikehi. Rama saw no other option to uphold truth and hence renounced all his worldly possessions, princely comforts and rightful inheritance. He departed to the forest, dressed like an ascetic, wearing bark clothes, and accompanied by his beloved wife Sita and inseparable brother Lakshmana. King Dasharatha and Queen Kausalya tearfully followed Rama for a distance before the king collapsed. The citizens of Ayodhya left Ayodhya following Rama. They ignored his pleas to return to Ayodhya and support Bharata. On the banks of river Sona, Rama left them behind while they were sleeping and proceeded to the banks of river Ganga. There, Guha, the king of Nishadas, approached Rama with affection and devotion. Rama, along with Sita and Lakshmana, crossed the river Ganga with Guha's help. Sage Bharadwaja, who lived on this bank in a hermitage close to Prayag, the confluence of the holy rivers Ganga and Yamuna, advised them to live in the Chitrakuta mountains, a scenic paradise on the banks of river Mandakini. Rama, Lakshmana and Sita walked on foot from one forest to another, crossing rivers in spate and reached the Chitrakuta mountains. The forest in the lush Chitrakuta mountains had an abundance of fruits, nuts, edible roots as well as waterfalls, cool ponds, and a variety of birds and animals. When Rama had set out to Chitrakuta, King Dasharatha, constrained to a sick bed in Ayodhya, grief-stricken and bereft, spent the remainder of his days on this earth, mourning the loss of his son. Very soon after Rama's departure, King Dasharatha passed away, yearning for Rama until his last breath. Prince Bharata, who was in Kikaya kingdom with his maternal grandfather when these Events unfolded, rushed back to Ayodhya and getting the summons from Sage Vasishta, the chief guru. Discovering all the miserable events that had taken place in his absence, Prince Bharata vowed not to be king and severed his relationship with his mother, Queen Kaikeyi, who he held responsible for his father's death and his brother's exile. Bharata free from envy and desire, sought Queen Kausalya's forgiveness. After completing the last of the funeral rites for their father, Bharata and Shatrugna rushed to the forest with throngs of people from the kingdom to find and persuade Rama to return to Koshala and be the rightful king. With the help of the Nishida chief Uha and sage Bharadwaja, they found Rama's hermitage in Chitrakuta. Despite Bharata's and others' persuasions, Rama declined to accept the kingdom, refusing to break his own promise and his father's pledge. 
Rama handed over his sandals to Bharata and persuaded him to return and rule the kingdom. Bharata returned to Ayodhya only briefly. He was not comfortable living in Ayodhya or in a palace while Rama lived elsewhere like an ascetic. So Bharata moved to Nandigrama, a village on the outskirts of Ayodhya, and lived simply like an ascetic with matted hair in a hermit's hut. Bharata placed Rama's sandals symbolically on the throne, acting as Rama's trustee, patiently awaiting Rama's return after the completion of the exile term of 14 years. When Bharata departed from Chitrakuta, Rama was still haunted by the sad memories of Bharata's visit. Chitrakuta, which had been heavenly earlier, was no longer peaceful for Rama. When many groups of ascetics left the lush hills of Chitrakuta, Rama too decided it was time for them to go to Dandakaranya. He sought the blessings of the ancient Maharishi Atri, who welcomed them affectionately. Maharishi Atri's wife, Anasuya Devi, honored Sita by presenting her with incomparable divine gifts that had once belonged to her. Rama, Sita and Laksh followed Sage Atri's instructions and entered the forest path to Dandaka forest. And thus ends Ayodhya Khanda. Maharishi Valmiki has doubtlessly composed a Mahakavya that has endured through many changes across the land. Ramayana's appeal shows truth and selfless acts survive the test of time and inspire listeners even today. In the next episode, we will dive into the adventures and lives of the princess and the fearless princess Sita in Dandakaranya, the dense and lush Dandaka forest. Until then, Ram Ram!